Welcome to Christ for Us. I am Pastor James Price of Trinity Lutheran Church in Ottumwa, Iowa. That portion of God's Word which we consider today, the Holy Spirit caused to be recorded in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is our text. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, a hefty wager is made on a strange battle. Goliath, the Philistine giant, made a wager with the Israelite army. He would fight any one of them. If an Israelite soldier could defeat him, then the Philistine army would be their slaves. However, if Goliath kills the Israelite soldier, then the Israelites would be the Philistines' slaves. The stakes were too high, and the odds seemed against them, so the Israelites were too afraid to fight. But the children know how this story ends. Young David, a shepherd boy, without any sword in his hand, but a sling and a pouch, but a sling and a pouch with five smooth stones, confronted Goliath and challenged him in the name of the Lord. And with a quick fling of the sling, and by the guiding of the Lord, that shepherd boy slew the giant and won the victory for Israel. This beloved Bible story foreshadowed an even stranger battle with much higher stakes, first foretold in the Garden of Eden when mankind fell into sin. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15 Jesus stepped onto the battlefield to do what no human being had ever done defeat Satan. Satan was Goliath. Jesus was David. If Satan won, he took everything, all mankind, every single human being who ever had been born and ever would be born as his slaves. Yet if Christ won, he rescued us from Satan's bondage to transport us into his kingdom of light. Christ won. And he did not simply tie Satan up in a little ball and cast him into hell, as he has always had the power to do as an almighty God. Christ defeated Satan in human flesh. St. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus was born under the law as our brother. He was tempted in every respect as we are except without sin. And thus he fulfilled the law in our place and gives us the victory. Yet it is not enough for Christ to obey the law in our place. 
and his victory over Satan in the wilderness is not the end, but only a battle. Christ must go to the cross. To his active obedience of obeying the law, he must add his passive obedience of suffering and dying for our sins. As he heard Satan say, if you are the son of God, when he was tempted in the wilderness, so he must hear from him from the cross, if you are the son of God, come down. The five stones David carried in his pouch have been said to symbolize the scriptures because Moses wrote five books. And so Christ defeated Satan by employing Holy Scripture, in particular, the books of Moses. Yet it was when the five wounds were placed in Jesus' flesh that his victory was finished. And so by being tempted yet yet without sin, Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb without blemish, who was offered up to take away our sins. His heel was bruised by Satan, but he crushed Satan's head. By one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So now by this one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Jesus said in Luke 22 that Satan demanded to have Peter to sift him like wheat. Satan, the great accuser, demanded to have all of us. On account of our sins, Satan claimed ownership over us. He demanded us from God. Yet Christ has made full atonement for our sins. The stronger man has broken into the house of the strong man and bound him and plundered his possessions. Now God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom there is redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Yet the devil remains a deadly adversary, like a roaring lion, he prowls around seeking someone to devour. He uses temptation to sin and unbelief to draw us out of the kingdom of light and back into the kingdom of darkness. As Christ came up from the waters of his baptism and immediately entered the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, so we baptized Christians must endure temptation as we sojourn in this wilderness. If Satan was so bold as to go after Christ himself, he will not hesitate to attack you. This is nothing to take lightly. Some by rejecting faith and a good conscience have made shipwreck of their faith. If we continue in sin without repenting, God may give us up to our passions and the Holy Spirit may depart from us so that we become servants of Satan again. So this is no time for complacency. St. Paul calls us to put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In Jesus' temptation from Satan, he draws our attention to three helps available to us against temptation. First, the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Satan tempted Jesus that he did not need God's word, but rather bread for the body. Jesus quoted scripture, Deuteronomy 3, stating that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If the lesson here is not simply to quote this passage and the devil will flee from you, rather, the lesson is to feast on the word of God. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest Holy Scripture. When you rise and when you lie down, when you walk by the way with your children, and when you sit down to eat, the word of God should be in your ears, on your tongue, and in your heart, and you will find that the more you feast on God's word, the less you hunger for the transitory bread of this life. 
The bread we crave goes far beyond food for the belly. We crave stuff. Money, possessions, power, influence, and many other man-made gods. We crave them because like the children of Israel in the wilderness, we do not trust God to give us what we need and desire. So we grumble and crave. We remain unsatisfied and we toil in our dissatisfaction. But the more you listen and meditate on God's word, the more you learn that he cares for every need of your body, that you're worth many, many more than many sparrows, which he does not fail to feed. So you should not fear to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because he will add all these things to you. The more you feast on God's word, the more you learn to trust in Christ and his forgiveness and salvation and to expect far greater things from him than the glittering junk we've become so fascinated with here on earth. The more we feast on God's word, the more we recognize that all the treasures of this world wither and fade away when the breath of the Lord blows on it, but the promises of God and his word endure forever. The more you gladly hear and learn God's word, the more you learn that the third commandment teaches you the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, so that you wait patiently to receive from the Lord's bountiful hand rather than worship at any false altar. The more you feast on God's word, the less appealing Satan's temptations become. The second help available to us in temptation is the holy angels. Angels came and ministered to Jesus after his temptation. However, Satan misapplied a scripture passage about angels to tempt Jesus. And Satan uses the same temptation against us today. Satan quoted from Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. However, Satan edited it. The actual passage says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. God indeed sends angels to assist us. Scripture says that they are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. The presence of angels is a great comfort to Christians who know that evil spirits, that is, fallen angels, demons, are very present and seek to do us harm. However, angels are not sent to protect those uh, who forsake the word of God, but they're sent to protect those who are to inherit salvation, those who belong to Christ to guard them in the way of the Lord. We cannot test God and expect the protection of his angels when we forsake God's word and pursue our own pleasures. We put the Lord to the test by misapplying and twisting his holy word to serve our own sinful passions. This is breaking the second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. God sends angels to protect his Christians from danger. But part of that protection from danger is avoiding the paths of the wicked and the congregation of the unrighteous. Yes, angels are sent to protect you from danger, but often the most dangerous thing to do is to stand on God's word and to walk according to his commandments. You cannot plunge yourself into sin thinking God's angels will be with me. Angels are not a comfort to those who forsake God's word and follow paths of wickedness. Yet to sinners who cling to Christ for mercy and hold on to the promises of God's word and follow his commandments, the presence of angels is a great comfort. Jesus, or St. John tells us in Revelation 12 that the angels cast Satan and his angels out of heaven. 
with the blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus. So when we cling to that blood, receiving it in the preaching of the gospel, remembering that we are washed in it in our baptism and receiving it in the sacrament of the altar, we should remember that angels go with us to fight for us for the sake of that precious blood. The third help Jesus teaches us is available to us in temptation in temptation is himself. Christ goes with us all the way. He walks with us and fights for us. Yes, Christ, the stronger man, who bound the strong man Satan and plundered his his house, the greater David who slew the greater Goliath, the seed of the woman who crushed Satan under his feet. He goes with you as you face Satan. St. Paul writes in Galatians 3, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So as you face Satan, you face him as his victor, not as his victim. Jesus promises that those who stand on the confession of Christ will prevail against the very gates of hell and that he is with his church to the very end of the age. St. Paul writes in Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It is those who are justified by faith who are at peace with God. And so it is those, it is through faith in Christ that we have assurance that our sins are forgiven and we have the confidence to pray that God would lead us out of temptation and deliver us from the evil one. It is through faith in Christ that we worship the Lord God and serve him. St. Peter tells us to resist Satan firm in our faith and God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. And so through faith in Christ, we God gives you the authority to say, Be gone, Satan. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. Do you like free food? Well, Trinity Lutheran Church would like to invite you to come and eat with us this Wednesday. We start serving at 545. And there'll be a delicious meal provided uh, by our congregation. And we're then invite you to worship with us. At 7 o'clock, we have a, a Vespers service, a service of God's word and prayer. We're focusing on the suffering of Christ. We invite you to come this Wednesday at 545 uh, for free food. And at 7 o'clock to worship with us. And of course, please come on Sunday morning at 9 to worship with us as well. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Christ for us. And please visit ChristForUs.org. Oh,